Today, let's start with a few questions. Have you been going through a hard time lately? Feeling miserable, hopeless, moody? Have you lost a job or a relationship? Become really worried about your future? Been trying to keep going when the whole world seems like it's turned upside down? If any of this is true for you, you're in the right place. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 21 of Unmasking the Abuser, the podcast. I'm Dr. Dina McMillan. I'm a social psychologist, a relationship consultant, and an expert on domestic abuse and violence. This is going to be the first of two episodes on resilience, that crucial life skill that doesn't get nearly enough attention. Resilience is courage and grit and determination. It's flexibility and discipline and doing what's necessary to get through a tough situation. Like last week, today is not going to focus on abusive relationships or abusers. In the last episode, we talked about the gift of fear, the value of our intuitive reactions to situations of uncertainty, change, loss, threat, and disaster. If you haven't listened yet, please go back and do so. It's well worth your time. Last week, I also mentioned that I'm doing an online course on resilience for UTS, the University of Technology in Sydney. That course is being designed with a team who are using captivating images and simple but effective exercises to bring the topic of resilience to life. It's being crafted to ensure you know the key resilience tools and how to use them when you need them. We're working right now on a taster, a 90-minute free online class that will bring you vital information on resilience in return for nothing more than a short amount of your time and attention. One big challenge with resilience is the concept itself is generally misunderstood. People often view resilience as a tool that's only remembered and used to get through an intense and short-lived experience, perhaps a physical competition like a triathlon or a painful event like the death of a loved one. Most people don't view resilience as a skill, a key device that requires training and sharpening, and accessibility at all times. They mistakenly view resilience like a fail-safe, as something to be kept in a drawer and forgotten until it's needed. It's then to be brought up and employed during emergencies, and then returned to its dusty cupboard to be forgotten until next time. That's just simply not true. If you perceive resilience as a passive resource instead of an active skill, you won't be asking yourself, what if the event is more damaging than expected? You won't ponder, what if the time necessary to recover is significantly longer than projected? You won't consider, what if the event itself is more severe? Or if it's not just one disaster, but many. 
and you certainly won't ask yourself if your resilience skills are up to the task and available whenever you need them. People with resources often underestimate the need for resilience. Those with financial resources on hand often think they can buy their way out of any situation. Those with a bevy of close family and friends know those people will be there for them in case of need. Most people perceive disturbing life circumstances and events as one-offs. Therefore, in their minds, resilience is comprised of immediate reactions to a major life disturbance and perhaps a few more after that. Resilience is something on hand for a sprint on a flat surface with a clear beginning and a clear end. In reality, resilience is an emotional, psychological, and even physical marathon over changing terrain and without a clear idea of how long you're going to have to keep up your strength. Resilience is not optional. It's a necessity. Whenever something happens that disrupts your life, resources in terms of finances and emotional support are great, but they wane and quickly. Access to the funds to hire the best professionals can be incredibly important. But ultimately, you're the one whose body, mind, and heart have to heal. Being surrounded by loved ones when you need them is crucial. But people do have to get back to their lives. If what occurs makes you eligible for government resources, they're usually only designated to get you over the worst crisis period. When something goes wrong in small ways or large, rebuilding your life will be down to you. This is not something you can buy your way out of or leave to others to figure out. Your ability to recover will be based upon your skill in assessing the situation, finding ways to be calm and clear-headed, and taking decisive action until you get to the other side. Resilience is something we all need, and for more situations and for longer periods of time than we'd like to believe when we're feeling content and secure. When we bother to think about resilience at all, most of us consider it to be something you either have or you don't. People believe our ability to get through painful life events is something innate, like eye color or perfect pitch. If I asked the simple question, are you resilient? There'd be a significant proportion of people who declare, yes, I am. They'd respond confidently and without any hesitation. Confidence is good. It means you won't stand in your own way, giving in to that unsettling loop that may whisper, you can't do this when you're confronted with a challenging situation. If this is you, if this confidence is you, well done. If you've been listening to these podcasts for a while, you're waiting for the other shoe to drop. Here's that other shoe. Resilience is not something you can just claim and then it's magically available to you when you need it. You could be right if you say you're resilient. You may be incredibly tough and flexible and able to bounce back from just about any life situation. 
Chances are, though, if you haven't been repeatedly tested, you don't really know how resilient you are. You're actually more like one of those contestants on Idol or The Voice who declare their entire family thinks they're the next Beyonce and then their performance shows they can't really dance or carry a tune. Those people are devastated when the judges come back and tell them to return after they've taken voice and dance lessons. Many of them cry. Most of them are stunned. They've been applauded since forever and told they're a sure thing. They just need to get the opportunity to be in front of the cameras and they'll be famous. I've seen that mindset in other situations too. Young people with aspirations, yet never bother to research and find out exactly what they need to do in order to make their dreams a reality. They get caught up in popular stories where someone without formal training claims they became an overnight success, going on to enjoy worldwide fame and fortune. I don't want this to be you when it comes to resilience. Resilience is an active skill. That means it has to be learned, practiced, sharpened. It has to be built up. It needs to be tested to identify any gaps, and then work needs to be done to fill those gaps in. The energy and effort to gain this skill is worth it. Resilience will get us through all kinds of unsettling and disruptive circumstances. That includes situations of uncertainty, change, loss, failure, or crises of any kind, natural or man-made. Last week, we talked about the fact that the impact of uncertainty and change may seem unremarkable when compared to a major loss or a disaster, but they shouldn't be underestimated. Our brain also perceives even uncertainty and change as situations of possible threat and responds with primal reactions of fear. Anytime a situation evokes fear, along with these feelings and reactions of alarm, we'll also experience anxiety, stress, even anger. We may panic or be unable to lose the feelings of dread. We may even be traumatized by what occurs. Circumstances where we felt confident will now make us apprehensive. We'll be triggered into severe distress much more easily. I recently read a quote by Bessel van der Kolk that said, quote, trauma comes back as a reaction, not a memory, end quote. Our reactions to difficult life events are going to disrupt our perceptions and knock us off balance, sometimes even for an extended period of time. We may require professional intervention to help us heal. We may need medication or be forced to make significant life changes to assist our recovery. Keep in mind, there's no life that occurs without challenge and pain, without the loss of a loved one, 
without failures and uncertainty and disruption. We're all going to be called upon to make it through life events that completely throw us for a loop. Even if we have two happily married parents, work in a stable career, marry our high school sweetheart and are still in love, we're not immune. Economies are dynamic. People get sick and die. Social norms shift and we're asked or even ordered to change with them. Our sense of who we are and our assurance about our place in the world tilts. Stuff happens and we have to handle it. So what do we do? We need to make a conscious effort, take specific steps, so we're able to work through our reactions and reactions of others to disruptive life events without falling apart or making choices that will make the situation worse. Resilience is that key. The good news is that anyone can acquire resilience. The bad news is that it has to be acquired, honed, perfected, practiced, and most importantly, used. The most effective skill in the world doesn't help us if we don't use it when it's needed. Resilience is not something you keep in a locked box only to be brought out after you face a calamity or a loss or a situation that makes you fearful. It's something that needs to be woven into your life so that when relevant circumstances arise, your training kicks in and you're able to use your skills to get through. You'll recognize the need and meet it without hesitation. That training part is crucial. When an unexpected event occurs, you're going to feel emotional. Your limbic brain will rev up in full throttle. Your enteric nervous system, your gut instinct, is going to throw your digestive system into chaos. Your reptilian brain will try to dominate your thinking, accelerating your heartbeat, driving up your adrenaline and cortisol, making your mouth dry and your nerves tingle. It will overwhelm your perceptions and scream at you to react, using fight, flight, freeze, fitting in so you do what everyone else is doing. It wants you to identify the threat and either defeat it or get away from it. All of these mind and body reactions will limit your ability to think through what's occurring using logic, ration, and other problem-solving skills that are normally available through your neocortex. While you're in crisis mode, you won't feel like yourself. That's why I mentioned the Taster course and how it's going to use images and exercises and short tests. There's a purpose in its design. I'm well aware of the fact that while logic and ration and reasonable response are desired drivers during a time of disruption, your neocortex is going to be in the background when these situations first occur. 
you're going to need to store your resilience resources in these other parts of your brain, or they won't be readily available when emotions are high. If you don't store this key knowledge in the other parts of your brain, time will pass, you'll eventually calm down, and then you'll start berating yourself, saying, I should have done everything differently. This podcast and my programs are not about giving you 2020 hindsight. You have that already. I want to help you embed key tools in the places in your mind where you'll need them if something happens, if something goes wrong. Then you'll react by immediately putting your hand down and grabbing your resilience the way a trained ninja will automatically reach for a sword whenever a potential threat appears. In our case, the key insights you'll learn will be another superpower, available when you're feeling emotional, afraid, angry, attracted, or when your intuition is telling you that something's off. Let's start embedding your resilient superpower. I want you to take a moment and think of a situation that really threw you. Go back at least a year or two. Find a personal situation like the loss of a loved one or the loss of a job. Make it big and scary and painful. Something that even now makes your heart rate increase or your stomach clench. Maybe you unexpectedly had to move. Or for this podcast audience, Maybe you had to leave home after your romantic partner became abusive or hurt you. Really go back. Don't worry, we won't stay there long. But we need those sights, smells, emotions to kick in so the knowledge goes into the right spot. Are you there? Deep breath. Now go forward. Mentally travel through to the point where you started to see some light at the end of the tunnel. Visualize yourself after you began to smile again, or when you realized you'd become used to your new way of living, or you could finally think about your lost loved one without breaking down into tears. Maybe you recalled something funny that made the two of you laugh. Or you're remembering a beautiful day you shared together. Now, take another deep breath. That was resilience that got you through to the other side. Now, I want you to consider something else. If you had a way to magically whisper a few sentences to yourself right before or immediately after the tragedy began, what would you say? If you could do something differently, what would it be? If your first instinct was to say, I'd hand myself a note to buy Bitcoin when it was less than $1,000, that's not what I mean. What I'm looking for is for you to consider if there were some skill, ability, or method for handling the situation back then that could have helped you move through the pain and disruption more quickly and easily? If so, 
what would it be? Do you know even now? Sometimes people say they wish they hadn't given in to their first knee-jerk reaction when something bad or frightening occurred. Others say they wish they'd been able to consider all of their options before making a decision during a chaotic time. If you're like most of us, you still cringe a little when you think back to that painful or fearful time. Maybe as a result, you ended up in a rebound relationship that you'd give a lot to erase from your life history. Or you recall poor sleep, comfort eating, perhaps even self-medicating that seemed like a good idea then, but you've paid for it dearly once you began to heal. Resilience won't prevent disastrous life events. Resilience won't keep you from getting scared or being overwhelmed by feelings when major calamities occur. But it's the best way to manage yourself and your choices when things happen outside of your control. Resilience teaches you methods to restore your command over your physical responses, diminishing the intensity of your knee-jerk reactions. It gives you tactics to begin stabilizing your mental state, helping you cope and not fall apart. Over time and with practice using the active techniques, your judgment and critical thinking will be reestablished. Resilience can reduce the time until you get there. It provides you with a broader perspective to help you objectively determine the most effective next steps. The ultimate goal of resilience is to teach you to respond, not react, when a challenging event occurs or is expected in the near future. Reaction is fear-based, visceral, and driven by expectations or analyses that are often wrong. It produces anxiety and stress. Reacting shrinks your perceptions and understanding. The world becomes all about the event, the situation, the crisis. In contrast, responding is not immediate. It slows you down and gets you to take the time to assess the situation and consider all of your options. Let's go through a few resilient strategies that can make the difference between getting through a painful situation with mind and body intact or falling into an abyss that can take enormous effort to overcome. You're listening to the Unmasking the Abuser podcast with Dr. Dina McMillan. And today we're talking about resilience. If you have any questions or comments, please email me at unmaskingpodcast at gmail.com. That's unmaskingpodcast, all one word, at gmail.com. Now let's discuss some techniques that are linked with being resilient and handling disruption not only immediately after a crisis, but also over time. An important set of instructions for doing this I shortened to MRM. 
That stands for Mindfulness Reframing Movement. Use these methods to keep from descending into despair when something painful or frightening occurs. And I'm going to show you in a few minutes how to turn it from a concept into an active tool you can use. Mindfulness is a lot more than something new age and what one of my sisters calls nutty crunchy. It's not only for people who eat organic food and do yoga. Mindfulness is an important skill everyone should acquire because it helps naturally lower stress and anxiety. It can improve your sleep and it gives you better decision-making abilities. Mindfulness is a way of describing intentionally changing your perceptions about yourself and what's occurring. It's mentally stepping back. It's mentally stepping above. It can include meditation, including guided meditation, prayer, focused movement like yoga or Tai Chi, getting caught up in music that inspires and transforms. It needs to be done on a regular basis in order for it to work effectively. When you're going through a hard time, your mindfulness exercises give your heart and mind a needed break. Consider, though, that mindfulness also includes a self-aware wellness check. We all know that when people ask, oh, how are you? They want you to say, oh, I'm fine. It's up to you when you're taking time away from your pain to assess how you're really doing. Are you sleeping too much or too little? Craving unhealthy food? Breaking down into tears at odd moments? Feeling like your life is over? Think about it for a moment. How are you really? It's important for you to be frank and honest with yourself. The R stands for reframing. It requires changing your frame of reference about what happened, altering its importance in the greater scheme of your life, putting it into a mental box, and then changing its size. Reframing means interrupting any thoughts repeating in your mind that maximize the importance of what went wrong. Any perceptions that your life is now ruined. It means interrupting your worry, despair, and sense of hopelessness. But just saying stop to yourself when your thoughts declare no one is ever going to love you again or you'll never find a job as good as the one you just lost, isn't enough. Nature and your mind abhor a vacuum. After you interrupt anything self-defeating or perceptions that grow what happened out of all proportion, you need to stop and replace that thought with something empowering. Reframe the situation in your mind, even if you don't quite believe it yet. Switch how you'd categorize what occurred, now thought of as a loss or a defeat, and try to think of it as something discreet and manageable 
See it as the first step toward achieving a better relationship, getting the space to really know yourself, freeing you up to move somewhere that will suit you better. Fill in that blank, reframe it, so you begin to view what occurred as manageable and eventually as a blessing in disguise. The last M is for movement. If you're going to be resilient, you cannot stand still. It's an imperative that you get up, go places, walk around, exercise, force yourself if you have to, or enlist someone to help get you going. We'll discuss this more when we cover the specific steps to building strong, resilient skills. One of my favorite MRM exercises is to put on a guided meditation album and listen and do the exercises while I walk for an hour early in the morning before the sun comes up. It's incredible how much energy and focus it gives me for my day. It's resilience that helps you do this. It doesn't encourage you to lie to yourself and pretend you're not afraid or hurt or feeling a great sense of loss, but it expands your view so you can remember what else you have to be grateful for and what's important to your life. Resilience can help you overcome. Now that's all for this episode. I want you to practice your MRM exercises. I'm going to quickly follow this podcast with a second podcast on resilience, where I'm going to show you some specific tactics to build resilience into your life. I hope you'll join me. In the meantime, any questions, any comments, any examples, contact me at unmaskingpodcast at gmail.com. That's unmaskingpodcast, all one word, at gmail.com. Thank you for joining me. And I hope you'll be there for the second part on building resilient skills that will follow very soon. See you then.